a message series that we're in. And those of you that have been here know that, but that kind of gives you an idea of where we've been, where we're going. We're focusing on seven words to change your life. A very bold and audacious promise and uh, statement, but it is true. Uh, welcome to Northridge. Glad that you guys are here. Those of you that are here all the time, I'm still glad to see you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, for those of you who are here for the very first time, thanks for being here. Um, we want you to know this is a safe place for you to dig in and find out what it means, really means to follow Christ on a daily basis. We're not a church that believes in showing up every now and then on a Sunday and that that's your relationship. It can't be. It's not. Um, we believe that you need to live every moment of every day for Christ. And so this is a safe place for you to dig in and discover what that looks like, what that means. Um, so if you missed last week, I just kind of want to repeat and, and mention if you missed last week. Uh, we had a phenomenal week last week. Uh, on Saturday, we spent pretty much most of the day um, collecting food, led by KJ here in the Purcell clan that are right here in front of me. Uh, but we, we spent all day collecting food, and we collected nearly 2,000 pounds of food in just one day, which is phenomenal. Um, and so that was just awesome. And then the very next day, we baptized 14 people uh, who declared publicly that they want to be known as followers of Christ to the world. Uh, it was, I mean, it was a phenomenal weekend. <laughs> God has been working, and um, he, just, he just moved on a lot of hearts and, and lives last week. I, I had so many conversations, not just on Sunday, but afterwards, uh, throughout the week. And so uh, let me just tell you, God is moving. God is moving. And the question is, are you on board? And he's not just moving at Northridge. I mean, God is moving. <laughs> and I hope that you're on board with it, because it's the best place to be. And so this, this series that we've been in, Seven Words to Change Your Life, we've talked about the word yes, we've talked about the word no, we've talked about, last week we talked about the word thanks, we talked about gratitude. And today we're continuing kind of in that gratitude vein, but in a completely different way. Uh, today we're going to talk about the word enough. And uh, to be honest, this word is not a word that we tend to use in our culture, <laughs> is it? It really isn't. It's not a word. It's a word that we know. It's a word that we've heard of. We know what it means, but we don't tend to use it. We don't tend to say it. We don't tend to operate. Uh, this is why, for example, you can go to McDonald's. I think you can still go to McDonald's and do this. I don't know. I don't go to McDonald's all that often. But I think you used to be able to go to McDonald's anyway, and you get a supersize meal, right? You can't just get the number three or number four. You can actually say, uh, supersize it. Right? Because just the value meal is not enough. We need to have more. Like supersize is going to be better. I mean, have you seen the fries when you get the supersize? It's like there's this thing, right? There's quite a few fries, but then supersize is like, oh, yeah, there it is. Right? And then every other restaurant, what did they have to do? They had to follow suit, and they're like, well, that's a good idea. Right? And so let's make ours go bigger. Right? I want to make that go bigger. Right? And, and we do that, and we kind of do all these things, and we have this, and we have car commercials that say we need that next best thing, and all these kind of things. And, and, and we have like the, the, the modern version, right? Arby's. We have the meats, right? That guy, right? Doesn't anybody just want his voice like all the time to narrate your life, right? Like, can you just narrate my life? Because it would make it sound really cool, cooler than it is, right? And we have the meats. And then they show you a picture of a sandwich with meat that's piled higher than my face, you know? And then when you really get it right, it's actually squished and flattened and like there's hardly any meat in there because they lied to you is what they did, right? But, but what the, the problem is the reason they do that and the reason it works is because we aren't good at saying enough, 
right? We just don't, we don't want to say enough. Technology, same way. We have to have the next best thing, the next best app. As soon as you get home, it's already obsolete because the next best thing is out. And we're like, oh, I need to get that too. Because we don't say enough. We just don't say enough. And it's just, it's just a crazy word that we don't believe in. Well, let me give you kind of an antithesis to that. In fact, it's from an unlikely source. It's from a guy that has enough, <laughs> for sure. And I, in fact, I used him as an example two weeks ago. His name is Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is one of the richest people literally on our planet. He is worth, I, I actually misquoted a stat a couple of weeks ago. I think I said he was worth 65 to 70 billion, something like that in that range. It's actually been updated. I found the, the new updated stat because he's made a little bit more in the years since. But he's worth 90 billion now, estimated. $90 billion. Hey, he's doing okay, just so you know. He's fine. All right? Warren Buffett is worth $90 million, but he was interviewed in a CNN Money article. And, uh, and in that article, he says a few interesting things. I wanted to share them with you. One of the things he said was he reiterated or repeated a promise, a pledge that he has made to the world. He literally has made a promise to the world. And this is what he said. He said, my pledge is this, that more than 99% of my wealth, 99% of my wealth, will go to philanthropy. In other words, I'm going to give it away during my lifetime or at death. 99%. Almost all of it. 1% is left. By the way, 1% is still quite a bit <laughs> if you do the math. All right? And I'm not even a math guy. I can figure that out. But 99%, he says, he's going to give it away. And he, he, he actually quotes this later on in the article. He says, too often a vast collection of possessions ends up possessing its owner. It's true, isn't it? It's true. And he lives according to this, by the way. He's, he's a guy, uh, Warren Buffett actually lives in the same house that he, that he bought in 1958 for $31,000. He lives in the same house. Now, he does have a private jet because he has to get around. <laughs> and he says, hey, I need that because I, I'm all over the place. But, but he lives in the same house from 1958 that he bought for $31,000. $90 billion. He could buy like half the houses in the country probably. But he lives in the same house. And then he says this at the very end of the article. I thought this was very interesting. And right on. He says, were my family and I to use more than the 1%. Remember, he's going to give 99% away. If, I, if my family and I were to use more than 1% on ourselves, neither our happiness nor our well-being would be enhanced. In contrast, he says, that remaining 99% of the wealth that I'm going to give away can have a huge impact on the health and welfare of many others. It's a good perspective. Enough. Well, there's a premise, there's a principle that I want us to operate with as we go into the message today. It's kind of like we've done before. There's a foundational thing, and it is this. And it's that enough brings clarity and freedom. That saying enough, that I have enough, that I'm good, I don't need more, I don't need to add, I don't need to commit to more, that enough is enough. And I want us to operate from the principle and the understanding of the truth, and you may not even believe that yet at this point, but that enough will bring clarity and will bring freedom to your life. I believe that. The Bible declares that. But we're going to talk about it here today. Now, admittedly, before we get too deep into this, I want to acknowledge a couple of things. One, I think that there's a possibility that some of us have already checked out from this topic. We've already checked out. And the reason is because you're not sure that this is necessarily important. 
You're not necessarily sure that it's normal that people can live with enough. You're not even sure that you believe that enough is actually enough. Because our culture pounds into us. I mean, pounds it into us that enough is never enough. That we always need more. You and I, we know that. We believe that. There's something in us that, because our culture just screams it into us. So let me just acknowledge two things here this morning with that reality. One, I want us to understand that God does not want us to not have nice things. Okay? It's okay to have a new car, for example. All right? Because some, I mean, seriously, some people hear a message like this and they're like, oh man, I can't go get a new car. I mean, watch out when you drive off the lot. Lightning's coming, right? It's like, oh, we can't get a new car. Or that you can't have a new house or that you can't have nice things. That's not what we're talking about with this message here today. But I do want to acknowledge a second thing. And I hope that we understand this. That we live in a country of abundance. Whether you believe it or not, we do. I don't, it doesn't matter what your situation is. We live in a country of abundance. We have an unbelievable amount of things and time and energy and opportunity here in this country. And so let me, let me give you a couple of statistics to kind of declare that. If you rounded up all the kids and counted up all the kids in the United States, we'd make up, our kids would make up 3% of the child population. Not the world population, but if you take, counted all the kids in the world, our children in the United States would make up 3% of the world's child population. Guess how many toys we consume percentage-wise? 40% of the toys in the entire world are consumed by 3% of the child's population. And we all know what happens to those toys. I mean, they play with them for at least an hour until it goes in the closet. And we sell it at a garage sale. Is this not true for your house as it is for mine? Absolutely. And let me give you another stat. Did you know that one of the fastest growing industries in our country is the self-storage industry? Seriously, get, catch this. 38 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars are spent every single year. That's one year on storing stuff. Okay, I want us to understand this. Okay? What that means is we spend $38 billion a year just for a place to keep more stuff that we don't really use. Does that put it in perspective? $38 billion just to store our stuff. We could do a lot of good with $38 billion, couldn't we? Enough. Let me ask you this question. Does it make us happier? Are you, would you sit here today and say, you are just completely fulfilled? I know the answer to that question. Maybe today you are, but maybe a lot of times in your life you're not. And so today I want to talk about what is this whole overwhelmed problem? Overdone. It's kind of like steak that was cooked too long. <laughs> Dried out, just... Why are we overdone? Why are we overwhelmed, overstressed, overcommitted, right? Why is that? Well, let me give you five warning signs to tell you that you might be overstressed or overwhelmed. Okay, these are five things that kind of indicate that maybe you need to say enough to something or to someone or to several things in your life. 
Okay? These are just warning signs. These are kind of like indicating lights, right? They're indicator lights that tell you something's there. The first one is this, irritability. <laughs> See if any of these resonate with you. My guess is, out of these five, probably all five will resonate with you because we're human, all right? How many of you would say you're just a pain to be around? <laughs> right? How many of you would say sometimes you're just a pain to be around? Sometimes how many of you would say yeah, other people are just, they're, they're a pain to be around? How many of you would say just most of the time you're either irritated or irritating? <laughs> I'm either irritated or I'm irritating. <laughs> right? One of the first signs. I mean, I know this is true. Laura knows when I've got too much on my plate. So I'm just a mean, nasty cuss. <laughs> I am. Now, I'm not swearing at anybody. I'm not just treating people bad. I'm not, you know, but I'm just not nice. I'm irritating. I mean, and, and I don't even have to say anything. It could be a countenance on my face, and my and Lord's like, what is the matter with you? Get off your whatever you're on. <laughs> Join us in life again. Because I just... Irritability is one of the first signs that you have too much going on or that you have too much around you and you need to say enough. Second warning sign, loss of passion. Have you lost excitement in your marriage? Have you lost excitement at work? Have you lost excitement for your family? Have you lost excitement just in life? Have you lost passion? Have you lost passion? Let me, let me ask it this way. Are you constantly trying to do things or get to moments in your life when you can just do a few selfish things for you? Are you constantly looking for that? Just so you know, that's a lack of passion. Because just getting to where I can sit down and watch some random show and see what happens to that person because they left me hanging last week. If that's all I'm ever looking forward to, then you've lost your passion. It's one of the first signs that you're overcooked, overdone. Third warning sign, loss of joy. Let me just ask you, when was the last time you really smiled? When was the last time you really smiled? Like truly smiled. Not like fake smile. Like they told a joke, I'm supposed to laugh. It was stupid, but I'll smile. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Not really. No, I mean really smiled. Like really laughed. When was the last time you really laughed? The kind that hurts your cheeks. The kind that, you know, your stomach, like everything jiggles, right? It's like jello. When was the last time you really felt and experienced that joy? Have you lost your joy? I shared this passage last week. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Always be joyful. Always. <laughs> Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful. Be grateful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. God's will for you. He commands it. He says it's not a choice. If you're a follower of Christ, you have to have joy because if you're connected to God, who is the ultimate in joy, you will have joy. But it also tells you his desire for you. He wants you to experience joy. 
unbelievable, unbridled, like un, just powerful joy. Let me give you the fourth sign. Skimming over relationships. Are you skimming over relationships in your life? Let me give you some indicators if you are. This is a weird one. Probably never, maybe you've never thought about it. But when we're overstressed, overcooked, and we're just overcommitted, and we need to say enough, but we didn't, then, then a lot of times, then, then you don't look people in the eye. Have you found that you don't look people in the eye as much? This is weird. When I, when I was looking at this, when I was hearing this and reading this, and, and kind of l- looking into these things, like, I, I realized that I do that. I had never realized it before about my life, but I've just started realizing it now, just, just recently, in the last few days, that, that I... When I am overstressed and overcooked, I can't look people in the eye as much, or I just don't. I'm not exactly sure why that is, but you've, have you heard that your eyes are the window to the soul? I think that when you're overstressed, overcooked, you can't look people in the eyes because you can't take it. I think, we just, I think we just can't handle it, and so we just skim over. We just breeze past. In fact, let me ask you this question. How... How are we going to know what is in truly in people's hearts if we're traveling at Mach 2 all the time? If I'm traveling like faster than the speed of sound all the time in my life, how am I going to know what's going on in my kids' hearts? They could be in pain, not physical pain, I'm, that'll be obvious, but other kinds of pain or loss or scared or whatever, and I'm not even going to know it because I'm going 100,000 miles an hour. I'm just skimming right past them. Same thing with my wife, same thing with you guys even. Skim right through people. Do you find yourself rushing through conversations? I asked this question at first service, but, and I, uh, there were like two. How many of you have seen the movie Hunt for October? Anybody seen the, yep, there's, okay, there's a few more. <laughs> All right, good. I didn't figure it would be one of the most popular movies. It's one of my favorite movies. I love The Hunt for October, and very simply, it's a movie about a Russian uh, submarine captain that leaves, that steals a submarine, basically. He's put in charge. He's the captain of the sub, but, uh, but he actually steals the submarine to go take it to the United States and defect. That's what he's trying to do, is to defect to the United States. And so the entire Russian Navy sends everybody, they empty their, their ports, and they send everybody out to, to basically get, capture Captain uh, Ramius. And, and they're trying to get, you know, basically destroy him is what they are because he's going to steal the sub and give it to the United States. Well, uh, there's this, this conversation in the middle of that movie where there's a captain and Jack Ryan, who's the guy that's trying to connect with this Russian captain so they can get the sub. And, uh, and they're having this discussion, and the captain's trying to describe to Jack Ryan why he doesn't think they're actually trying to find Captain Ramius, and they're just trying to drive him to the United States so we'd shoot him down, basically destroy him. And th- this, is, this is the conversation. I ha- you'll have it on the screen. Captain Davenport says, he says, they're pinging away with their active sonar. That's how you hear stuff in the water, right? So they're listening in the water. They're pinging away with their active sonar like they're looking for something. But nobody's listening. And Jack Ryan says, well, what do you mean? He doesn't, he doesn't understand. Captain Davenport says, well, they're moving at almost 40 knots. At that speed, they could run right over my daughter's stereo and not hear it. So what he's saying is, he's saying they're, they act, they're acting like they're listening, but they're not actually listening at all. They don't care. I bring that up because I think that this is, this is a perfect example of how we're living our lives. 
think we're traveling at Mach 2 constantly. And we're just brushing right over the top of people. We could care less. We act like we do, because if we don't, we're jerks. Right? We're going to act like we care. How are you doing? Good. Sounds good. We're gone before we get an answer. We do that all the time, don't we? Like every day. Probably people at work, I'm sure you do that. Hey, how are you doing today? Good, good, all right. Right? We don't care what they have to say. We just ask because it's a nice thing to do. We don't want to be a jerk. We're just skimming over the top of people, brushing right by them. We're not really listening. We're just moving, just running, running, running. Okay, let me give you the fifth one, last warning sign, wanting to escape. This is a pretty serious one. Do you find that you're constantly or quite often fantasizing about getting out of your life? This is kind of, this. honestly, guys, this is where addictions come in. You know why addictions happen? Pornography, drugs, alcohol, it does not matter what. Shopping could be an addiction. I know some people that are addicted to that. Seriously. It, it doesn't matter what it is. But you know why people are addicted to things and why they go to them again and again, even though they, they, they know it's an unhealthy level? The reason is because they just want to escape. They want to feel something because they've become numb. And so that gives them a temporary feeling. That's all addictions are. It's just them trying to escape for a little bit and trying to get feeling back because they've gone, they've gone dead, they've gone numb. Not physically, but emotionally, spiritually, everything in other, every other way. Now these five signs, why did I share those with you? Well, I share them, this is why I share them with you. Let me share a, a story. When Laura and I were in North Dakota, uh, there was a night that I woke up uh, early on. I think this maybe, maybe was before kids. I can't remember. We had kids. Okay, Laura's shaking her head. She's like, no, you're, you're way off. Okay. <laughs> so we had kids, all right? But either way, it was, it was in North Dakota days and, and uh, really young. And I woke up with just really intense pain in my back. And I was like, man, kind of the pain that you kind of get with the flu. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, this is not good. It's going to be all night, you know. So I go in, and I'm just trying to get out of the bedroom so I don't wake Laura up and everything. And the pain gets worse and worse. It gets so bad that I actually do start vomiting, start throwing up. And I go through the whole night. I can't sleep. I just I can't do any of that stuff. And so by the next morning, by that morning, uh, I start feeling a little bit better. And so Laura's like, are you okay? I think I'm okay. I, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to try, you know, kind of get through it. And so I went to work, did all kind of stuff. But then that night, it got a little bit worse again. You know, had the pain again, all kind of stuff, it's up a lot. And then, you know, this went on for several days, okay, where it just, the pain just kind of continually got a little bit worse, just a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse. And, and it went on for several days. You know why? You want me to let you know why it went on for several days? It's because I'm an idiot and I'm stubborn, <laughs> okay? No, really, that's, that's what it is. I'm stubborn and I'm just, I should have done something, but I didn't do it. And so several days in, Laura finally came home one day and I was in the fetal position on the floor because it hurt so bad. I was in so much pain. And, uh, and, and, and she said, that's enough. <laughs> She's wiser than I am. <laughs> she knows how to use the word enough. It's good. And she said, that's enough. I'm taking you to the hospital. And so we went to the hospital, checked me out, all kind of stuff. And uh, lo and behold, I had a kidney stone. 
And I had never had one before. But this one, for whatever reason, I think was hurting in where it was and all that stuff because it was actually impacted in the wall and the lining or something like that. And it was just stuck in And he said, it's not gonna, you're not going to be able to pass it. So we need to go in and surgically remove it. I was like, fantastic. I don't care, just get rid of it. <laughs> and so they got rid of it and it was all good. But here's why I say, I say that. Just like my body was trying to tell me there is something seriously wrong with you. You guys already know there's a lot wrong with me, right? My body was saying there's something wrong. You've got to take care of it. You've got to adjust your course. I just gave you five obvious and clear warning signs in your life that are not necessarily physical, but they're telling you there's something wrong in your life. You're destroying yourself. You're destroying relationships around you. You're headed the wrong way. These five warnings, and some of us, we don't believe it, but irritability, loss of passion, loss of joy, skimming over relationships, wanting to escape all the time. If you are doing that all the time, any one of those or all five of those, there is something seriously wrong with your life. And God says, say enough. Just stop get rid of some things, cancel some things on your calendar, or don't put them on there anymore. Focus on what's important. God says, say enough. In fact, God tells us this in a lot of places in the Bible, but let me give you one of the powerful places that he actually shows us this through David. It's in the psalm. It's probably one of the most famous psalms. It's one of those that you've probably heard quoted in movies and put up on walls and read all the time. It's Psalm 23. Probably one of the most quoted passages of all time. And understand that David wrote this. Okay, So David, we need to understand where it's coming from. David is the, is the guy that fought Goliath. So he definitely knows adversity and fear and, and courage. But he's also the guy that after he fights Goliath, Saul, the current king of Israel, tries to kill him. Now, I've never had somebody coming after me like that, but my guess is it's pretty stressful, right? And so Saul is trying to kill him, and then, and then eventually he becomes king. That's a pretty stressful job. And then he has to lead thousands upon thousands of soldiers into battle, and he does it several times. He has to do that. David is the guy that really messed up. He gave in to adultery and then committed murder to cover it up. He knew sin and intense shame before the people and before God. I want us to understand, David's not a perfect person. No, by no means was his life perfect. But he writes these words because he understands the danger of what happens when you don't say, enough is enough. I have enough, I'm good. Listen to what he says, Psalm 23, verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. You've probably heard this quoted in the King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I kind of like this version better, to be honest. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I, I have enough. The Lord is all I need. He goes on in verse 2 and 3. He says, he makes me, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. There's another translation that says he restores he restores my soul. Notice that it says he makes you lay down. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like God says, seriously, lay down. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? Lay 
down. Feel the grass. Stop. Listen. God says, I have something incredible for you, but you're going too fast. You miss, you're missing all of it. Stop. Just stop. He makes us lie down. God takes this rest thing seriously. We know this a lot of ways from his word, but you know how we really know? He put it in the top 10. You know what the top 10 is? 10 Commandments. He put it in the Ten Commandments. He said, of all the things that God could have put in there, he put one of the things that he put in there was you have to rest. You have to. It's a command. It's sin if you don't. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 29 and 10. It says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. He commands you to rest on that seventh day. You can work six. Work your tail off. Good. Don't work seven. That's what it's saying. Don't, if you work seven, you're, you're in sin. doesn't matter if you have a second job. You're in sin. Uh, let, me, let me tell you what it doesn't say. Okay? It doesn't say, the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest so that you can dedicate it to mowing the lawn. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say the Sabbath day is a day of rest dedicated to getting your shopping done. It didn't say that. It didn't say that. It doesn't say the Sabbath day is the day set aside dedicated to getting that closet organized that you've been wanting to do for the last two years. It didn't say that. You know why it doesn't say that? Because that's not rest. It's not going to tell you that because it's not rest. If it's your normal, everyday burden stuff, it's not rest. We need stuff that's going to restore, refresh, refill your soul. And God tells us this for a very important reason. Here's the reason. Let me try to illustrate this. This is a really important deal. Okay? All of us in our life have a bucket. Right? I'm not an artist. <laughs> I'm a pastor. <laughs> okay, that's supposed to be a bucket. It looks sort of that way. All right, we'll go with it. Best we can do. All right. So that everybody in there, everybody has a bucket in their life. Okay, this represents all of your life: your energy, your emotion, your spiritual walk, everything. This is your life. Okay. So in the bucket, though, the, the truth is that nobody has a perfect life, right? Jesus is the only one that lived a sinless, perfect life. The rest of us, we don't have a perfect life. And so our bucket, you know what makes our bucket not perfect and life not perfect? We have leaks, holes in our bucket, right? And these, this, these holes, they leak out. Now, I want us to understand that these holes, these leaks, they could be anything, right? For some of us, it's our job. Some of you leak like 40 to 60 hours a week. <laughs> You're leaking. Because the job is just, it's sucking you dry. You hate it. You so look forward to that day when you don't have to. And you just, it's, it's sucking you dry. And you're leaking, right? Uh, let me give you one of mine. Emails. Oh, oh I hate emails. 
I can, I can, I kid you not, I can spend 15 minutes face to face with a person and I can live off that energy for just for the rest of the day. Like I'm good to go. If I start, you know, talk with somebody and, and do that, I can live off. It's just amazing. If I have to do 15, 20 minutes of emails, somebody threw me, throw me through the window. My life is done. I'm over. It's, it's over. I've just leaked out so much, Right? And I'm not saying emails are bad. They're not bad, but oh, they're emails. <laughs> I just, it's such a bad leak. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Like you leak on that too, All right? Now, this is not a bad thing, but I'm serious. Like there's some leak there. How many of you have kids? <laughs> right? They take a lot of energy. I mean, they have so much of it. It's like, man, we got home from the football game yesterday. Jackson played in. He played all, the whole game. Then we got home. You know what we wanted? Dad, let's go out and kick the football some more. Okay? And then Hannah and Tanner, same thing. They want to go play. All right. So I left. We left, and we went. And we were at the park. Three hours later, we came back home. I was like, man, I am tired. And they're still like, woo! When we got home, yeah, let's do some more. I'm like, dear goodness, I just need a seat for a little bit. Right? If you have kids, you're leaking all day. Not in a bad way, just, you just are. It's the way it is. Let's be honest. Some of our leaks are just people in general. Uh, by the way, let me, let me give you an example. Okay? Some of you, when your phone rings and you see that person come up, that name come up, you hit mute and you flip it over as fast as possible. Be honest, you do. You do. Because I have those people too right? Because like just five minutes with those people in our lives and we're like, I mean, forget the whole, somebody, that person shoves the bottom of our bucket out. It's gone. It's broken. You leak it all and immediately you're like, life's over. I'm going to bed. I had five minutes with that person. Ah, it's more than I can take. Leaks in your bucket. Let's be honest. We have them. So how do we solve this? Well, the only way to solve it, there's actually two ways to solve it, and I'll talk about this real quick. We've got to refill the bucket. We have to have fillers. Let me give you a couple of ideas on this. You need to have daily fillers. Sometimes you, we think we have this mentality that, that we can go for weeks or for months on a low or empty bucket. I know that we do this because, I, because we have conversations about this. And we're like, I just need to get to next month. We're going to some place where it never snows and we're going to be there for like a week and a half. That's all. I just need to survive until then. You know what we're saying? We're saying we're running on empty. We have an empty bucket. I hate my life. And I just need something to make me feel again. So when somebody says that, call them out on it. Don't be mean about it, but just say, hey, how are you doing? Really? I mean, ask a question and sit down and say, let's have coffee. Let's, let's sit down and really talk about this because you're on empty. Call them on it because we run on empty and so we need daily fillers. We need fillers that fill us up daily. Now, the obvious one, guys, you guys know I would go, I would go here with this. We need to be filling our soul. And so you got to get into God's word. You got to spend time talking with God and listening to God. You got to have prayer. You got to have time in the word every day. This is not like a traditional routine thing that 
you know, because it's always been done that way or because some smart pastor said so or whatever somewhere, you know, 57 years ago. I'm saying that this and God is the only thing that will refill your soul. If the only way that you try to get rest and relaxation is watching TV or scrolling Facebook, I use this all the time, or, or whatever else you do, it, it, it might give you rest. Laura and I do that. We have shows that we like to watch, TV shows, together. But that, and, and we do that together. And it kind of gives us rest. But it does not refill our soul. In fact, it probably does more damage. It's TV. <laughs> have you seen what's on TV? If we need to refill our soul, we've got to spend time with the only one who can refill our soul. And that's God. So we've got to have daily bucket fillers. And you've got to figure out what fills your bucket. For me, another daily thing, other than spending time in the Word and all that stuff, is going on a hike. I, I mean, I can go on a hike for a few minutes or get outside, and I am, I'm just, I'm good. I'm clear, I clear, things clear away. Burdens kind of float away. It, it's amazing. Some of you, you're like, I would hate that. You go on a hike to refill your soul? Really? For me, yeah. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, that's a leak in my bucket. Well, that's okay. That's your bucket. Your bucket's wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> to each his own, right? You have to find those daily things that refill your soul. Let me give you one other thought. Annual bucket fillers. Sometimes we need a bigger filler. We need, we need something that we can't do on a daily basis, but it's something that you can spend maybe a, a couple of days or a few days in, and it's going to refill your soul. It just really invigorates everything within you, and it helps you kind of release all the burdens, all the stuff that you haven't said enough to, and you get clarity, and then now you have the power, the energy to say enough to. For me, you, are, you guys already know what mine is. I've, I say this all the time. It's, for me, it's the mountains. I, if I, I, I literally need to get to the mountains. Uh, I, I don't usually do it every year. I wish I could. Maybe we need to put that in. Laura, make a note on that every year. But I try to get there as often as I can because other than when I'm with you guys, when I'm with you worshiping God together, I feel really connected with God. I get new insight. I'm, I'm more connected with my prayer, everything. When I'm hanging out with you guys and when I'm worshiping together, and I mean, I'm connected with God in a different way than I normally am. But there's another part of me that connects in a way like that when I'm in the mountains. I come away from, every time I'm in the mountains, I come away with fresh insight, clarity, release of burdens. It, it's, it's a truly spiritual experience for me to connect with God in the mountains. It's just different. What is it for you? You need to do that. You need to do that, whatever that is. And then the last thing that we need to do is we need to limit the leaks. We need to say enough. You have to say enough. Let me give you one example really quick. Technology. This is one thing practical that you can do right now, starting today. I encourage you to do this. Limit your technology. It could be TV, it could be smartphone, it could be tablet, it could be computer time. I don't care what it is. Just limit your technology. Have some time where you're not connected at all. Because it's affecting us more than we know. You understand this, right? 
It's destroying us. It's, it's taking our focus away. In fact, let me, let me prove this to you. Uh, did you know that there's something called phantom pocket vibration syndrome? <laughs> I kid you not. It's a real thing. Psychologists have actually come up with this. It's a, it's a real deal. Okay, let me tell you, because my guess is you have it. <laughs> I actually have this. This happened to me today. I kid you not. This happens to me. It's happened to me fairly often. It's not daily, but it happened to me today. Okay? It is when a person feels like their phone buzzed or rang in their pocket or in their purse or on the table, and they all, oh, I, th- I think my phone buzzed. And you have to check it, and then you check it, and you realize there's nothing there. <laughs> no message, no reminder, nothing. You made it up. Let me ask you this. If we are subliminally making up when our phone buzzes and is trying to get a hold of us, how much is it affecting us when we're on it? It has changed the way we think. Look at some studies on screen time. You will not be encouraged. I think we need to say enough to technology, at least at points in our lives. I know we need it for a lot of things that we do. That's fine. Just limit it. Because I think we're consumed by it. I know there are days that I am. So let me end with this probably the strangest way verse that I'm ever going to end with. <laughs> but it comes out of the book of Job. And when I read it, I think you'll maybe catch where, where we're going with it. But Job is writing about this dynamic of being born and dying. And he says this in Job 121. He says, I was naked when I was born, and I will be naked when I die. You understand this has nothing to do with clothing. What he's saying is, I came to the planet, I came to this earth with nothing, and I'm going to leave with nothing. You don't take stuff with you. And I think it's such a powerful reminder that we need to live according to that understanding, that principle. We really do, but we don't. We worry about our thing and we worry about this and we worry about making sure they were five minutes late to practice and oh they're never going to get into harvard now really i know because i stress about that stuff sometimes too and i have to calm myself down and say bickle you're an idiot stop when we came to this earth we had nothing when we leave we have nothing we need to live that way And realize that everything that we do here needs to be for eternal things, not temporary things. I wasn't planning on ending this, but I shared this before, but Laura shared that story about Tanner. And it gets me every time. And I, here's why I share it. Because here's the deal. I think that you guys, there's going to be a lot of people in here that ignore this message. You just don't care and you don't think it's important enough. And here's what you think. Here's what you honestly thinking, some of you. You're thinking, well, this is just our culture. You don't understand. I have to do this just to keep up. Like, it's fast-paced. Like, we have phones and they, this is what we do. And I'm here to tell you, well, then you're believing a lie from Satan and from hell itself because it's not what we do and it's not how it needs to be. It's not. And if you're going to live the life and you're not going to even listen to this or, or make any changes, it's your grave that you're digging. Yes, I just said that. It's your grave that you're digging. 
You're destroying your own kids' lives, your own marriage, your own whatever. You're the one doing it. And God says, I want you to experience joy. And I, I want you to understand, when Tanner, I wish, you could, I, I wish I could just, I wish we could just transport to my house and have Tanner do it. Because you would just understand. Immediately you would get it. And, I, and I've seen it. Every time. I mean, he runs like crazy down that hall. And he just hits that top step and he just launches. <laughs> He's getting bigger, by the way. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. I have to do like three or four. And I'm like, dude, this has to be the last one. But he launches and he's, his face, he's beaming and he's giggling. And he's got no care in the world. And here's why I tell you, say it, guys. I know I say this all the time, but as a pastor, I sit in front of people all the time. And they don't tell me this, but I can see it, and they're telling me in different ways. They're just dead inside. They're frustrated. They're mad at people. They're mad at life, and they just want answers. And what's really going on is they've been running, and they're not saying enough to this culture. And our culture says, you need more. You need more. You need better. You need to run faster. And you guys don't, you believe them. And you're doing it. Because I know you struggle with it because I struggle with it. And what I'm saying is you need to take it serious at some point in your life because you're digging your own grave if you don't. And at some point you need to say, what's most important is what I'm going to spend my time on and the other stuff has to just go to the side. It has to. And you're going to be said, it's going to be said that you're weird when you do it, by the way. You know that? People are going to think you're weird because it's not what our culture says. It's the opposite. But I want you to experience joy like Tanner does when he jumps off of that step. That step. And I want you to jump into the arms of your Heavenly Father where he says, I'm going to make you rest. But most of you, if you're being honest, you never even see the hallway. You don't even know it's there because you're running so hard and so fast to keep up. And what I'm telling you is what God is telling you. He's saying, stop. Just stop. Enough. Enough. Rest. And listen. What if you just gave up one thing or one habit or one something each day this week? My guess is your clarity would increase, your freedom would exponentially go up, and your stress would go down. What if you just release something each day this week? Whatever you're carrying, what is it? What do you need to say enough to? I hope that you hear from God and that whatever he tells you to get rid of, whatever he tells you to say enough of, that you listen and you do it. And you find that unbelievable, unbridled, jump off the top step joy. Because that's what God wants for you. Let's pray.